0: The Bent Times. I'm Catherine.
1: And I'm Matthew, and today we're answering your questions. Hi, Catherine. How are you?
0: I'm good. How are you, Matthew?
1: Well, this is like the 37th time we've tried recording this episode, so I'm frustrated, but we're going to make it through. My technology's not working. Something's wrong with my MacBook Pro. Um, Earlier this week, I was in charge of live streaming a pretty important event for our mayor, and As soon as I hit the go live button, it just shut down on me and refused to come back on and it was a disaster and now, I don't know, like something's going on with it. So I'm going to have to like probably reformat it, take everything off of it and redo it, which I hate doing because it's going to like shut me down for like a whole day. It takes forever to get it back on. So I'm annoyed, but otherwise fine. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. I think uh, you're going through the technology burdens I had last year that resulted in me ending up with a new MacBook because it was just, it's frustrating when they get to the end of their line for whatever reason. And yeah, I, I'm almost I to that, that point. I'm sorry. No, but so I am currently in my basement with a cat in my lap who will probably purr through the entire episode and I'm not mad about it.
1: <laughs> Fun fun yeah I kicked my dog out of the house because she's so loud this morning <laughs> it's like a really beautiful day here and people are out walking their dogs and running and doing yard work and raking leaves and so she's just a hot mess today she's just a disaster of an animal that can't stop barking for like five minutes so she's outside <laughs> uh, I assume she'll, she'll run be in here at some point yeah
0: <laughs> what are uh, you drinking this morning
1: I'm drinking aha water because it's early. I'm not drinking alcohol yet um, so yeah, I've got some peach honey aha water
0: that sounds yummy
1: yeah it's like kind of my stuff. new favorite It's good
0: I'm drinking the uh what is this? I'm drinking a peach lavender latte from a brunch place down the way from me that I had delivered. I didn't Fun. just have the latte delivered i had I had breakfast <laughs> delivered. With Yay, the DoorDash, locker, I'm thankful for all of the DoorDash people that exist, so that I don't have to go anywhere.
1: So, so when I was on um, when I was on COVID quarantine a couple weeks ago, I finally signed up for DoorDash and took advantage of the first month free delivery for a bunch of meals.
0: <laughs> so. Welcome. It's Thanks, nice, yeah. isn't it? It is nice. I appreciate it because I don't want to go anywhere. So. What are you up to today?
1: Nothing. Uh, it's working a little bit. I'm going to take my kiddo for some pictures. There's a, um, a girl in town, a young woman in town, I guess, uh, named Mia. And um, she does these really cute portraits. She does mostly pets, but she's starting to do kids and families and stuff as well. Her Instagram is at petandportrait. So you guys go take a look. It's really fun, real clean, bright photography, portrait photography, mostly animals, so she'll overload your your cute meter for the day with all of her <laughs> cute animal photos. Her stuff's precious, and she's precious, so looking forward to having her do some photos of little Miss Addie. What about you? What you got going on?
0: I am on Pandemic Jeopardy, so we are surging here uh, at newly unprecedented levels every day, and we never know how many doctors we're going to need in addition to the normal amount that we have. And so we have a few layers of backup available. So if it hits the fan, I can go in. So that's what I'm doing today.
1: Yeah. Hopefully you don't get called in.
0: I mean, if I have to run in and do a few admissions to save everyone, you know, doing way more than they're comfortable, then it's worth it.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So
0: it's a wild times we live in. <laughs>
1: yeah. So what what are we what are we what are we talking about today? What's going on?
0: So I don't know, maybe a couple weeks ago I put it out on Instagram for you all to submit your questions to us and you guys really came through. You submitted way more questions than we could ever possibly an answer in one episode but we're going to at least get started on on working through these and there's some really fun questions so the first one I think is more for you than for me and it's from user Blake Kirkham any advice for young kids getting into fountain pens
1: yeah so my daughter is only four so she doesn't do a ton of writing uh, but she is learning her alphabet and her numbers in preschool and they do write them um, she can write her name she can write you know a about a third of the alphabet, not really in order, but there are, you know, some letters that she's really good at writing. Obviously any, any letter that's in her name, she can do pretty well. Um, and you know, she's been using my fountain pens for a couple of years. I mean, ever since she was able to pick up a pen or marker or colored pencil or whatever, I've had her sort of playing with my fountain pens a little bit, uh, with supervision, uh, before anyone yeah. freaks out. Um, <laughs> and Uh, You know, she does pretty well with it. Um, She has her own fountain pen, which is a Lamy Safari, and uh, I keep it inked up with Lamy blue ink. So um, she is not old enough to really understand how to properly hold a pen. So the tri-grip on the Lamy Safari uh, doesn't necessarily benefit her, but I would think for older kids, you know, kids that are maybe six or seven or eight years old that are really doing a lot of writing in school, uh, would probably benefit from a Lamy Safari or even like a Twisby Eco-T um, or one of the little Pelican Twist pens that has that shaped grip because um, it helps orient the nib properly on the page. I mean, I I still encounter adults who will pick up one of my fountain pens and they'll flip it over and try to write with it upside down. They don't understand like which way the nib goes. Um, so, you know, that can help orient kids. So I would say maybe um, I know that they're – are sort of these love-hate or polarized opinions of triangular grip pens um, because, you know, adults tend to have learned behavior when it comes to how they grip a pen. But for a student or a young child starting out, I think those can be really helpful just to help them orient the nib, get used to how the nib should be applied to the paper. Um, so so that I think is helpful. And then um, I noticed with Addie when she would write, you know, because she doesn't orient the nib properly every time and because she doesn't have sort of a standard or even I don't know like consistent grip on her pen uh, that anything that was a fine extra fine tip tended to have a smaller sweet spot so didn't write as well for her Uh, tended to do a lot of skipping I could see her getting frustrated and that would cause her to bear down more which would just make it worse Um, so medium and broad nibs are tend to be sort of the sweet spot for her. So honestly, if you've got a young kid, I mean, I think picking up something like a Twisby eco T or even one of the little Twisby goes with the spring filler because they're fun, you know, they're brightly colored, they're inexpensive, they're lightweight plastic, they can fill them themselves with a little spring filler. It's a great way to introduce them to the hobby and get them that sort of Um, molded grip that might help them out a little bit and then the nibs are easy to swap out so as they get older if they don't like the broad nib or the medium nib you could get them a fine or an extra fine whatever it would be so be sort of my advice
0: and she's very interested in fountain pens like when I was there this summer she saw one of mine and was like can I write with it
1: (laughs) yeah she loves them
0: I think that's cute I have some really great addy doodles in my notebook because of it
1: (laughs) I've never really told her no. I mean, even some of my more expensive pens, I I mean, at, you know, I figure worst case scenario, she does enough damage to it that I have to send it off and pay 20 bucks or something to have a, have someone fix the tines or whatever. I, you know, with supervision, it's really going to be really hard for her to, you know, tear it up to the point where it couldn't be repaired. Um, so, you know, she knows to respect them and to only use them if she asks and if I'm around. Um, I do have a Rickshaw valet tray on my desk full of Retro 51s, and she just grabs those as she wants and uses them. Um, those are those are Addy approved, and she's allowed to use those. And then she knows that any of the pens in my pen cup on my desk um, are Addy approved, and she can use those too. So she'll come in. She knows where the paper is. I keep it in the bottom desk drawer. I have some um, like brightly colored cardstock and some, uh, also some white paper, uh, just printer paper. And she knows how to come in here and grab it and grab a pen that is Addie approved if she wants to draw or color. So,
0: your kid's bougie.
1: <laughs> she is bougie. She's bougie. You got any advice, or is, or is that it? Does I that ha- cover it.
0: I, I, I'm not a parent, so I think you're much more advised. Adv- ad- you're much more wizened on the topic.
1: Yeah. so yeah. I'm
0: just going to defer to what you said.
1: <laughs> that was a good question, by the way, because I know there are a lot of parents out there in Fountain Pen Land, and, you know, like Jonathan Brooks takes his daughter to pen shows when we have pen shows, and, you know, she's gotten little pens and stuff. And so um, uh, one, one thing is, um, I'm going to touch on it one more time. I just thought about this. A lot of people go for these, like, little Jinhao sharks and stuff like that, these little, like, Fun-shaped pens. And while those are cute, um, they tend to be very, very fine and a little bit scratchy and pretty unpleasant. And Addy was not able to write with them. They just, I mean, I'm not even able to write with them. I don't like them at all. I know everybody thinks they're so cute and they want to collect all the colors because they're a dollar a piece. But I would advise, I mean, spend the extra $12 on at least like an EcoGo or something like that or a Lamy Safari. You can get used Lamy Safaris for, what, like, $15 or something. So definitely avoid some of those like very, very cheap pens because they're just going to be a frustrating experience.
0: I think that's fair. Yeah, I really like that question. Um, The next question is a mashup of two questions. The first is from fernadam7 and they wrote, haven't heard y'all talk much about vintage pens. What are y'all's thoughts on the market? And that is coupled with NashW78 who said, I have zero interest in vintage pens. Am I missing out? I love this because I actually started my fountain pen journey with more vintage than modern pens, and didn't understand why people were so obsessed with current pens. What about you, Matthew?
1: So I'm the I'm the opposite. I've I've been a modern pen person. Uh, I have owned some vintage pens, and I typically don't like them. Um, the one exception to vintage for me is the Parker 51. I just love that style. I love that pen. I find it to be incredibly comfortable. I don't currently own one. Uh, I sold my last one a little while back um, to another podcast host. Stationary Orbit now owns my gray Parker 51. But I've owned a bunch of Brooks and a bunch of the – who makes the Skyline? What is that? Wall Ever Sharp. Wall Eversharp owned a bunch of wall ever sharp uh ever sharp uh pens've owned a bunch of uh like dual folds and parker vax and all that stuff and I just find them to be finicky and they you know you buy one used and you don't know the history of it the chances are it's gonna need to be restored unless it's already been restored um and if you don't know if it's been restored or if the person doesn't know i mean I don't know they just use you know a lot of them use rubber or silicone sacks and they're lever fillers and they're just a pain in the ass to clean and i just they don't offer enough i don't know like i just think there are a lot of modern pens that offer a lot more for me i know a lot there are a lot of vintage pen lovers out there yourself included but for me i don't there there's no nostalgia there for me i mean i guess if like i found a you know, a vintage something or other in my granddad's desk drawer, I'd probably hang on to it just out of nostalgia, but, you know, probably wouldn't even use it. I think my one exception um, to not loving or wanting vintage is Mont Blanc. I, because they're piston fillers pretty much throughout. um, And there are some really cool, I love the old, like the, I don't know, like the 242, I guess those kind of with the amber ink window, the sort of inlaid nib style. And then the you know the flat, that flat top on it with the with the Montblanc star. I think it's just such a cool classic design, especially the you know like the gold cap versions with the, uh, with with the engravings and stuff in them. So, that that would be my one exception. I'd I'd love a vintage Mont Blanc at some point.
0: I think for me, this year has been a year that I haven't bought any vintage because I like to buy my vintage in person as much as possible because of just the huge amount of variability that there is in vintage pens. And so my vintage collecting has sort of stagnated this year, but I do love vintage pens. So I find them definitely a lot easier to purchase. If you can be in person, you can see The condition of the body. You can test out the lever to see how the sac is doing, if it's a sac filler, which most most of them are, and really get a sense of the nib and all of those things that are really hard to understand online. Now, I will say I have purchased some vintage online from people I know. Um, There's a a a guy too too close pretty close to me over in Ohio. His name is Eric, and he's sold me a number of pens. And he'll just show me lots of pictures, and I'll, I'll be comfortable buying from him. But I predominantly collect Wall Ever Sharp Skylines as well. Um, and they came in three sizes, Demi, Standard, and Executive. And I prefer the Standard and Demi sizes. And I like them because there's a, so many different body types that exist and styles and a lot of them are in this really beautiful striped celluloid design and I have a thing for celluloid and I know you do too and the materials for them were so pretty and unlike modern day pens where a lot of the nibs are made by the same manufacturers and you have your choice of you know fine medium broad stub that's about it I've found there's a huge amount of nib types available with the wall ever sharp so i have i try to buy the pens because the nibs are different so i have anything from a really really hard like posting nib all the way to almost a wet noodle that's extremely springy and bouncy and i do not like modern flex at all um i have had no modern day flex pen or even soft nib that i found to be enjoyable but i love vintage flex and so, I collect vintage more for the nib than anything. Um, you know this. <laughs> I have some really cool nibs that I found over time in my in my Skylines. But I also have a Doric, a Wall Ever Sharp, or a Wall. I don't think it's Ever Sharp. They didn't combine by that time. Doric, and it's a like a nineteen nineteen ish pen. That's just a black celluloid. It's nothing like particularly interesting to look at because it's just black. But black is a more stable celluloid, which is why I wanted it. Um, because celluloid does crack over time if there's conditions of its storage were questionable at any time. And it is a just flexi dream. It's beautiful. You've written with it. You like mm-hmm.
1: that. That's yeah, nice.
0: And I also really like um, Esther Brooks. The little ones, the little purse pens that purse pens that come in all the funky colors. And so I look forward to getting back to pen shows again to see Jessie Rain. She is the queen of the Esterbrook, And I would like to pick up a few more of those because they're really fun. And she has every Esterbrook nib that exists, and you can buy the pen and the nib and put them together. So I think that's really cool. So, I mean, I don't know. Are you missing out on vintage? I, that's up to you. I mean, if you don't miss I would, it, I would you're not say missing. At,
1: at least one area that you touched on that you miss out with vintage, uh, but by not buying vintage is the material. Um, mm-hmm. the materials that vintage, you know, the celluloids and, you know, abonites and stuff that they used were the, you know, the just amazing, like, you know, little bakelite, um, details and, and yeah. cap jewels and gems and stuff. Um, They're just incredible materials that you don't see now. Uh, A lot of it has to do with manufacturing regulations or safety in manufacturing. Celluloid is incredibly flammable. It's a pretty dangerous material. You know, there's a lot that goes into making it that creates health hazards. And um, so I think modern day regulations have just sort of prevented the recreation of a lot of these materials. And, you know, there are some manufacturers out there that are making similar materials. Um, and you know, you still got Visconti doing some stacked celluloid and stuff like that. So, you know, they're available, but you know, you could get a really beautifully restored stacked celluloid Parker vacuumatic or something for, you know, even if you got one of the, I don't know the terminology for all their sizes, but if you got one of their larger sizes, the, you know, the major, I think is what it would be referred to. And Parker would be the major, you know, if you got one that was beautifully restored, really well finished, with a beautiful imprint that you could still read, um, and a in a really good nib. I mean, you might spend a few hundred dollars on it where the alternative for a stacked celluloid modern modern or modern-ish Visconti, you you're in the five, six, eight hundred dollar plus right. range. Um, and you know, and then you've got companies like Chatterley Lug- Luxuries, um, that do limited edition commissions with companies like Delta for, you know, modern celluloids, but they tend to be very limited. They only do, you know, maybe 25 or 50 in a set, sometimes less. And again, you're mm-hmm. in the eight, $900, $1,000 range where you could get something really nice and vintage for half or a third.
0: With a potentially unique writing experience, because vintage really does feel different than modern in all ways, I think. Right. So I don't know that you, if you don't feel like you're missing out, then don't worry about it. But if this is in any way intriguing to you, it's definitely not a mistake to look into it. And if you buy it from a, a Reputable human being who can tell you when it was restored and when the vac or when the sack was replaced most recently, you know, the sacks can last a long time before you need to get them fixed again. It may be worth it.
1: And I think if you can, even if you buy one, you know, if you happen to be perusing your local thrift shop or um, flea market or antique store or whatever, if you stumble on a vintage pen and you really love the look of it and you're not sure about it. Um, If it's a price you're comfortable with, you know, you can pick it up. I mean, there are a lot of folks online that are restoring them. You can send them in, they'll restore them. And, I mean, at the most, Mm -hmm. you're probably looking at, depending on the damage, I mean, you're looking at 50, 60 bucks. But, I mean, as long as the cap and the body are sound, you don't see any cracks. I mean, a sack and a filling mechanism um, can be replaced for, I would say, you would spend $100 tops, including shipping, to restore a vintage pen, um, you know, and if it needs to be polished or the nib needs to be tuned, you may go a little north of that, but, you know, if you find one at a thrift shop or something for a few dollars, um, man, like, it's almost worth it to pick up just to have it restored and then, you know, and then you just add that little piece to your collection. So, if you're interested in vintage at all, that's a great way to get them too. So, but if you want a great writing experience right out of the box, you got to buy it from someone reputable.
0: Yeah. And I will say there is a faction of the vintage community who collect for the rarity of the materials and like the story and what it is, and they may never write. And that is not my purview. Um, I appreciate that people like that exist and know these histories of these pens and have this sort of, you know, repository of information and references for, you know, this turned into this, which got us to here and whatever this history, but that's not my, not my speed. Cool. I like to use all my yeah. pens. <laughs> so Matthew, Naughty Zoot would like to know, what are your top three desk ex- accessories?
1: Um, <clears throat> so if we're just sticking to sort of pen related desk accessories, I use, so there's, I have two of them, but it's the good made better. Penwell. I have the traveling penwell, and then I have uh, their new concrete one, which is still on Kickstarter. Um, so check that out. We can put a link for that, I think. So um, check that out. So I, I always keep I always keep a penwell on my desk, um, at least one. I have two right now. Um, I also use a rickshaw valet. Um, for anyone not familiar with that, it's a little tray, it unsnaps to fold flat. So it's actually great for travel. It gives you a little spot to throw your stuff if you're in a hotel room or something like that. Um, but I use it and right now it's got a bunch of retro 51s in it. Um, just cause I had them out and I put them in there, but, um, you know, normally it's a place where I can lay a couple of pins, throw my keys or phone or whatever. Um, just to kind of keep that organized. So it doesn't end up under paperwork on my desk. Cause I find that when I'm doing things, stuff gets under stuff. And then I, can't find it. And then I think sort of the last desk accessory that stays on my desk all the time is a like a twenty-two pen case. And that's where I keep most of my fountain, most of my sort of higher end fountain pens. Um, I've actually gotten my collection down enough that everything fits in there that's not a sailor. So my sailors are stored elsewhere. But um but yeah. Like so a box. A You're talking
0: about a box. Like a box. Right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, a box. So the top hinge is open and it's got like a clear glass you know, um, window on the top that hinges open and then it's got a drawer underneath that pulls out. Um, I need to get, I need to get one that's like three or four levels actually to put everything in. Um, but I've had this one for a couple of, for a number of years and it's been really great. So I've just been kind of hanging on to it out of nostalgia, but yeah, so my pin box, my valet and my, um, my penwell well are things that are, that are always on my desk. Um, if we're talking non-pin stuff, I mean, I use you know keyboard mouse, uh, desk pad. I've got a great vintage um, desk lamp. I mean, you know, stuff like that. but yeah, if we're talking just pen accessories.
0: My top three desk accessories are pretty much just places to stick all my crap. <laughs> <laughs> I have a problem with accumulating lots of little things. I am very much a, like, I think it's probably the ADD or something, but I just piles and piles and piles of little stuff over and over and over again. And I don't know why it's like that, but it happens to me. And I need to have organization because I like everything out because I can see it. If I put something away in a drawer, I'll never find it again. So it's easier if my storage is all on top and I can see where things are. So I have a mid-century modern um, Danish teak desk. And the best accessories I have, I have a Mike Dudek block that keep a lot of my retro 51s and tactile turns. And then I also have another similar block that's made by a friend of mine a number of years ago out of a piece of cherry burl no walnut burl it's this beautiful piece of wood with holes drilled into it and those that like the blocks basically the the, the pen blocks are huge and a must-have for me Um, a mason jar similarly is also very much important for me which has like the lower end like bix and weird gel pens and sharpies and rickshaw roll uh rickshaw sleeves with retros stuffed in it so they don't get touchy touchy so like that kind of a storage situation would be one of my top things um i have a like what's the name of the material like melamine is that a, is that right mm-hmm. a melamine valet tray or something that i got from yosika Stationery that i keep on my desk and it's where i put like my wax seals and my stamps and all my little tiny things that I get out to do snail mail and I just shove them in that little tray and I love that thing and it's hard plastic or melamine or whatever so I'm not afraid of like damaging it so that is a big thing for me and then I think my other top accessory is probably my typewriter it's not exactly an accessory but it sits on my desk permanently and it is a huge staple of my <laughs> desk life I actually have to have two desks. I have a writing desk and I have a technology desk behind it for like my computer and everything. So my my typewriter. Is that is that wrong? <laughs> no.
1: That's fun. Those are fun. That's fun. I do have a bunch of answers. Dudak blocks and stuff, but they're sort of scattered about, not necessarily on my desk. So mm-hmm. um dudak makes good stuff.
0: hmm You're more organized than I am, I think.
1: I just shove shit in drawers so nobody can see it.
0: <laughs> if I shove shit in drawers, I'll never find it again.
1: <laughs> yeah. What's our next question?
0: The Office Pen Man asks, what are some non-fountain pen hobbies that we both enjoy doing? And it's coupled with Drew Brown, who asked, if fountain pens didn't exist, what hobby would most likely oc- occupy that space for you? Well, we can answer what we'd like to do together first.
1: Yeah, Food
0: food <laughs> coffee breweries hiking yeah. mountains
1: yeah those are all fun things things we like mm-hmm. to do so travel um yeah if it wasn't if it wasn't spending money on pens it it would be camera gear um i am it's i am a huge huge uh i mean my background is in photography and graphic design so um but i have historically been very I've been afflicted with gas which is gear acquisition syndrome Um, and I swap gear a lot I change gear a lot Um, I've used Hundreds of cameras, owned hundreds of cameras over the years. Different systems, different formats. Um, so I, I really enjoy photography. I really enjoy the gear and the technology and the trying new things. So um, I don't know how much money I've wasted over, on photography gear over the years, but it's it's a lot. Um, probably could have retired by now. And um, so so photography would would be a place that I would spend money. And then also maybe maybe cars a little bit. So
0: yeah. Um, we both are into cars these days.
1: Yeah. Both bought you bought a you bought a new car, yeah.
0: Yeah, we both we both ended up acquiring new vehicles this week, which is interesting. Um
1: Yeah. Mine's new to me. Yours is new new, 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 like brand new.
0: Yeah, yeah. But the only reason I even decided to do it is because you keep talking about wanting a different car.
1: I know. I've on my fourth car for twenty twenty. <laughs> I started twenty twenty with an Outback, then I bought a truck, and then I bought a Jeep, and now I own a BMW X one. So,
0: I mean, to be fair though, like you didn't think you could get what you needed out of your first car, and then you hated the truck, and then you ended up hating the Jeep.
1: Right. I like so the BMW, it's not like, though.
0: yeah, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I I purchased a Volvo XC forty. I was gonna buy a used car, but they had an amazing deal going on for the 2021s because of like being a healthcare provider. i was say
1: yeah with all the discounts and stuff they offered you on the new vehicle, you basically got into a new one for about a 1000 bucks more than you'd have paid for a used one with 30 or 40,000 miles on it. So
0: I'm not mad about the yeah, no, situation. That's so, so, I did. So smart.
1: Yeah. Good for you. So what what would what would your hobbies be?
0: I, I mean, I think It's tough, right, because, like, photography isn't exactly a hobby for me because we both do photography and we both love photography. But, like, for me, it is a side hustle. Like, I don't do it as much as a hobby as I do for, like – I mean, I don't shoot weddings out of the goodness of my own heart. Like, I shoot them because I get paid for them. So photography occupies this space for my life that is allowing me to do something creative – And it is a hobby in that way, but it also isn't, I guess. But I do love photography. I am not a gear person like you are. I have, you know, two Canon bodies, a few Canon lenses, and I'm good with that system, and I like it. So I don't know what my, like, quote, hobby would be. I've had numbers of hobbies over the course of time. I think this really is a lot better bigger part of my life than I think I could have ever anticipated any hobby would be so I don't know it maybe would be planners maybe if I wasn't into fountain pens I guess I used to really hardcore plan so that could be it was like a compensatory thing to make up for my disorganized brain but it didn't work that well. I maybe would just spend more time writing for academic journals. I mean, I I honestly think if I didn't have fountain pens, I would just be a big loser and not do anything except work. Like, I think I would just spend all the days like writing new curriculum and articles and (laughs) doing more research. But this allows me to have some work life balance.
1: Sure. Fun.
0: Or maybe I would just travel more. I wish we could travel again.
1: I know. I'm ready to travel yes yeah. so what's asap
0: next? okay kevin penley friend of the shoe what are your everyday carry stuffs bags pen knives laptops pouches etc uh
1: so my everyday carry bag is a rickshaw cosmo um i mean i have a bento also but for me that's more of like a grab and go bag if i just need to take like some pens a notebook my ipad something like that um but for every day for work uh, where I carry a laptop, an iPad, you know, a handful of pens, a notebook, you know, whatever, um, the, the Rickshaw Cosmo is, um, is my go-to. Uh, and then, you know, my pens sort of fluctuate. I always have some sort of standard pen, whether that be tactile turn um, or my alpha pen from Prometheus Wright, something like that. Um, so a couple of fountain pens, at least, um, always a standard pen. Typically the pen that's in my pocket is a standard pen. Um, because when I'm running around at work, if I'm going to need to jot something down, I don't know what kind of paper it's going to be on or what I'm going to need to sign. And, you know, I try to keep it at least a little bit professional at work. So I carry a, 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 standard pen, usually with a ballpoint refill with blue or black ink. So I always carry a pocket knife. My most carried pocket knife is a ZT-0450. It's a zero-tolerance 0450. It's a titanium knife flipper. Um, I like it because it's pretty thin. Um, It rides in my back pocket pretty well. It's unobtrusive, and it's not super scary. You know, you pull it out at work, and you can flip it open, to open a box or an envelope or cut a piece of string or something, and people don't, like... Freak out because you've whipped out this massive, like, tactical weapon in the workplace. Um, so I like the <laughs> yeah. I like the ZTO 450. I also have a Microtech Ultra Tech, which is an out the front, but that seems to be a little bit scary because it's loud and thunky and fast, and it's a little bit off putting for an office uh, for the, for my workplace.
0: And let me explain. Local- for non knife people, I didn't know what an out the front meant until. I got an out the front. It's like got a switch on the side that you push and the blade shoots out of the handle at an aggressive speed and then is out. It's like kind of like a switch yeah. bait, but instead of flipping open, it like shoots forward. It's like a lot. It is it's definitely. And if, yeah.
1: <laughs> they they tend to be pretty aggressive and because I work in local government. I'm in and out of government offices, government. Um, you know, council chambers or the courthouse or whatever it might be, you know, I never want to have something on me that could be misconstrued as a weapon. I mean, I know anything is a weapon. I'm not going to get into that conversation on this podcast, but um, it's just, I try to keep it like pretty low key. So a ZT0450 is my most commonly carried knife. um, Some kind of standard pen and uh, my Cosmo, along with my MacBook Pro, uh, my my iPad Pro, uh, Apple Pencil, stuff like that. So, and then uh, I always carry. Right now, I'm carrying a 7C's Writer with the grid inside. I don't know if it's the Writer in that series, but it's, it's I think the it's grid. it's a
0: Crossfield.
1: Crossfield, yeah. Uh, so I carry a 7C's notebook right now. Tomoy River paper. But I have a Hobonichi on standby for 2021, which will start in January.
0: Very nice. My everyday carry bag is (laughs) – I keep trying to make a bag work, and currently my everyday carry bag is just my Louis Vuitton never full. I keep trying to have my Neverfull for when I'm not at work and then a work bag. I do have a Cosmo ordered. I paid for it. I'm just waiting for it to see if that can work for me Um, and do, you know, a briefcase type of bag for work and then my purse separately when I'm not at work. But I bought a Louis Vuitton Neverfull GM so that it's their tote bag. And it's the largest of the size. It's three sizes and it's the big one. And it's just a big open tote with like minimal pockets inside and long straps. And I just shove everything in it. But then it gets to be super, super heavy and the straps are really thin. So it's not ideal. Um, And I've historically put my laptop in it. I've put books in it. I mean, because it'll fit it from a space standpoint, but it's not great. So as much as I'd like to say I have some cool bag, my EDC bag is my Louis Vuitton and yes, but because of that, I have a lot of space <laughs> and my coworkers are always like, why do you have so much crap in your purse? And I'm like, don't judge me. So I carry one koozie case with me every day and it is the purple koozie case. So my other koozie cases stay at home in my bento bag and store of my pen collection I stopped having mine out so I don't have like a pen box like Matthew has or anything I keep all of mine in pen rolls and koozies and koozie cases in a bento bag but my most carried top I don't know 10 or 12 pens I carry in a koozie case in my purse and I use them at work on my desk like I'll take the koozie case out and put it on my desk while I'm working and then put it back in my purse in my locker when I'm not in my office so that has, like, two two-pen koozies, two three-pen koozies, a couple single sleeves, all shoved in there, and I have it covered with patches and pins and stuff. And then the pens that are contained within it are whatever my favorite fountain pens are at the time, and it's usually a mixture of, of sailors and other things I'm really loving carrying. There are a couple that never go away. Like, I always carry my Carolina Pen Company Rodden Galaxy, I always carry my Sailor YY Pen Club, um, the Green Rialo, and then I always shove my Tactile Turn, the Copper Bolt Action Short in there, and then when I get to work, I take it out of my pen case and stick it in my pocket of my scrubs, and I take it with me. So, I mean, you guys have heard me talk about that a million times. I love, love, love that pen. And then I don't take my laptop to work. It stays at home. Maybe once or twice a month I'll need to take it to work for something. But I have a different um computer at work that's hooked into our HIPAA-compliant whatever-whatever for our electronic medical record. So I just use my, my computer at work. And then, you know, throughout the hospital there are computers that are tap-and-go attached to my badge to pull up my desktop so I can continue my work on any computer in the hospital. So I don't take my laptop. I don't take my iPad and I do have a couple knives. my most carried is actually a spider codelica is that right mm-hmm. and it's purple and it was actually a birthday present from this guy mm-hmm. and I really That's love a it cool knife. I have
1: I, I love the spider codelica it's maybe my favorite knife ever It's like a cool shape it's comfortable I love the handles it's lightweight super cool knife and they're Really customizable, which is a whole different rabbit hole, but like
0: (laughs) I bought a microtech and I have I need to still send that in. It needs to get sharpened, like the edge on it is off. But I mean it's really cool, but it is again, like you said, it's really hard to explain why I have a out the front knife in my pocket at a hospital. Uh seems bad. So I'd be a little
1: unapproachable.
0: Yeah. I mean I have the delica. I don't actually carry it in my pocket. (laughs) And I think a lot of that is just because a lot of times I don't have pockets or I'm wearing scrubs and I don't need a knife in the hospital ever. But I do usually keep it in my purse. So, like, if I'm opening a package in my car, which happens because I pick up stuff from my P.O. box and I'm impatient, you know, that sort of thing. I, I, I love that. So I would say my, my Spider Codelica would be my EDC knife, which this is a new thing for me. I've never carried a knife until this year. But you know, stick around with a friend who's obsessed with knives for a little bit of time and you'll somehow find yourself into knives. Yeah. (laughs)
1: It's
0: a good thing I like you. I know. So Drew asks, what was the first collection you ever had? I love this question, by the way, because it implies that we're all collectors, which is a thousand percent true.
1: Yeah. So um, for, for me... I mean, as a kid, I had tons of toys, and I had a bunch of. I was really into Ninja Turtles when I was a kid, um, so I had a bunch of Ninja Turtles when I was a kid. I wouldn't say they were a collection um, because I, I mean, I played with them really hard, and I mean, you know, lost the pieces, broke them, they were dirty. Um, my first actual collection that I really took care of was, I think, about the sixth grade, sixth or seventh grade. I got into Magic: The Gathering. And I had a bunch of cards (laughs) um, and I, you know, I put them in my decks were all sleeved. And um, the extra cards that I had that I would rotate in and out of my decks were in um, like those baseball card pages and binders. And at one point I had them in, um, I don't know, for anybody out there that doesn't know Magic the Gathering, the cards are by color or by land. So you have red, black, blue, green, white. And uh, at one point, I had like little half inch or one inch or whatever binders that were red, black, blue, green, white, and I had my cards um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: organized by color. So I knew like, oh, in the red, there's all red cards in the blue, there's all blue cards. And then within that, I had like creatures, spells, enchantments, lands, I had dividers. And so then inside of those dividers, there were those And then um, even, like, further divided into there where, like, uh, it was done um, kind of, like, by series or if it was, like, a creature enchantment versus, like, a land enchantment. I had them, like, Mm -hmm. broken down. At one point, I had them broken down so far and so categorically organized that it was actually a little bit of a hindrance to find what I wanted because I was like, oh... Is that a creature enchantment or is it a land enchantment? It's kind of both. It can it can do both. So like which section is it going? And then I'd get like executive <laughs> dysfunction and like decision paralysis and be like, does not compute, can't find a place for the card. And then I would get all frustrated and flustered and it would like go in the back <laughs> somewhere. And then my mom sold all of my Magic the Gathering cards at a garage sale after I moved out for like $5 and they were probably worth somewhere in the three dollars to $4,000 range. Yep. I was furious.
0: Well, and when we started hanging out and we became friends and we cuz I play Magic. I haven't played Magic in probably a year, but um we were talking about what cards you had had and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's a blah 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 dollar card." And you're like, "Damn it."
1: <laughs> I know. I know. I had two the the cards that I remember the most was I had I had a pair of mint condition like first edition Shuvan Dragons, which are terrible cards in in the game. Like they're not helpful cards, but they are quite valuable. I think they're I think the last well, the time the edition
0: you had is valuable.
1: Yeah, I think the last time I checked the first edition Shuvan Dragon in make like, you know excellent in like ninety plus percent condition, which mine very much were, I think were worth somewhere in like the four to six hundred dollar range, depending on the collector. Makes me want to throw up.
0: <laughs> and that's like an interesting thing with magic is like which which set they came from impacts value yeah. significantly.
1: Um, what was your first collection?
0: So I had a hard time like identifying like my first quote collection. I would say it was always a collector. So I can distinctly remember as a kid having my pens like, I was very heavy into collecting just whatever pens, nice ballpoints and jelly rolls and stuff in my desk. I had those organized. I collected, like, keys and crap that I had displayed on my bookshelf. I've always been a collector of books, so I remember having a huge bookcase in my bedroom when I was a kid that I would organize periodically by author name, which now I organize by color to many people's like horror that I organized by color but whatever and um but for me the collection that I really defined as a collection and I made conscious efforts to expand and recognized it as a collection was troll beads and pandora beads so when I was in high school pandora was first coming over from Europe and now it's obviously ubiquitous and everybody's boyfriends buys buys them Pandora beads and stuff for Christmas but it was not like that when I started What I collecting. buy for all the
1: ladies in my life
0: What? It's
1: Pandora beads. I buy yeah, them by the hundreds.
0: It's super on brand for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Not. I just ride through town tossing them out the windows I'm like Merry Christmas <laughs> ladies. Oh my
0: Pandora gosh. Pandora beads. Stop. I don't even know
1: what we're talking about.
0: I know you don't. It's okay. So at the time, they're like, they're a a fine jewelry company and you can buy these little charms that, it's like a modern charm bracelet. And when I started collecting, there were really rare ones that didn't exist anymore. And so I collected intentionally like old, rare, hard to find charms and then sort of morphed into Troll Beads, which is a partner company. It's not a part, they're not partners, but it's similar to Pandora in that it's like charms that are beads that go on a bracelet, right? But troll was very much more European, very much scarier because it was literally like trolls that you – like silver trolls that you would put on with these glass beads that had all these cool patterns and stuff. And they had a lot of these one-of-a-kind types of beads where there weren't two alike of it. And so I would – I remember distinctly running the Troll Beads Collectors groups on Facebook and spending my afternoons, like, calling small shops and being like, can you text me a picture of your trays of -of one-of-a-kind beads? And then I would post those pictures on the groups, and we would all buy, like, oh, this is a really rare kind of -of one-of-a-kind glass bead, or this is a really rare kind of whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I I remember um, this is probably, what, two thousand. 10 maybe I was doing this I was like the like one of the people in the country for like collecting troll beads and made friends with all these dealers and I I mean that's why I have credit card debt still is because I would buy like all these beads but I remember I would get like a a one-of-a-kind bead for 45 dollars which is the retail but if it was rare enough I could sell it for 200 dollars so then I would and buy
1: many, and then buy four more very rare beads.
0: <laughs> and I'm a am a crazy person, I know, and like that's like a really weird niche <clears throat> thing because like lots of women have Troll or have Pandora, but they don't do it to the level of obsession that I did. And I still have friends from that time of my life, and I still have like five or six full bracelets of Pandora and Troll, and I wear them from time to time. But um, it's wild. Oh. It's big, big dorky. My current collections, besides fountain pens, I also collect art, as you do. I have a Magic the Gathering collection. I have a cat collection. Yeah. Currently there are four. Does that count as a collection? Not really. Oh, God, coffee mugs. I've been collecting coffee mugs since I was 18 years old.
1: You gave me a bunch of your hand me downs because I didn't have any.
0: Yeah, he was like, I don't have any coffee mugs. And I was like, say no more. Here, have all these. This was a limited edition from Starbucks from whatever year. And this is a and he was like, Oh my god, you're crazy. (laughs) I'm a magpie. I like it. Thanks for that question, Drew. That makes me like just have fond memories of my collecting life.
1: But also cringe a little.
0: I don't know. I loved my years of troll beads. I had friends. I literally had friends across the globe and still do. I mean, I have friends in Australia and so I any, remember any visiting. So any like
1: confess, you've, you've been talking, you've talked to me before about this troll beads thing and you, the way you say it, I thought you were saying trollby, like T-R-O-L-L-B-Y. Like a What's brand, that? like I thought it was like the brand, like Trollby. But, like, you're saying Troll Beads.
0: Yeah, is the name of the brand. T-R-O-L-L-B-E-A-D-S.
1: I thought it was, like, T-R-O-L-B-Y-S. Like, Troll or something. Like, I thought it was, like, a brand name. I need to see. Next time I see you, I need to see one of these bracelets. I'm curious. I'll, now.
0: I'll show you my troll. I'll put some pictures of some bracelets of mine in the show notes so you guys can see what the heck I'm talking about. And for reference, I still still own a ton of Troll and a ton of Pandora. I prefer Troll to Pandora, but I would wear like three bracelets at a time, like stacked on my wrist. Wow. And just be like covered in the bling bling because now that I'm a physician, I'm really bothered by anything on my wrists. I kind of don't like it. I can wear a watch and this like one little bracelet that I wear and that's it. I can't – I have to push my sleeves off my wrists now, so I don't wear them very often unless I'm getting fancy. But, yeah, I'll put a picture in my show notes. But what I was going to say is it was such a cool thing because we connected through the internet. And I remember going to New York with my mom in, like, 2012. And I met up with my friends who I'd only ever talked to online who were my mother's age. I was 22. And they were in their fifties and sixties, and we met up in New York, and we went to a couple troll shops, and like, shopped and talked about beads and played with beads for an afternoon, and ate at a diner, and it was like people who I had never met in real life. But it's cool. It's just like pens. It's just totally the same thing, right? You meet yeah, up at a no, show. It's just,
1: yeah, it's a yeah, it's definitely a it's a hobby thing. Yeah, that's fun.
0: Sorry for the dorky word vomit. Sorry guys. <laughs> And let's wrap it up with a holiday question, since it is the season.
1: Tis the season.
0: Kira Wonder asks, do you have a favorite holiday-themed movie?
1: Yeah, so for me, it's... uh, It's either Christmas Vacation or Home Alone, the first one. Um... I mean, Christmas Vacation is iconic and it spans multiple generations, but Home Alone is like the movie from when I was a kid. I mean, I just, you know, I don't know. I I guess if I had to just pick one, it would be Christmas Vacation just because it is such iconic, such an iconic like film and with so many subtle little things about it that are so fun.
0: And that is the correct answer. (laughs)
1: That's your answer?
0: You... That's my answer, too. <laughs> yeah. I have I have seen that movie, like, probably 50 times. It was something we watched every year in my house growing up, so we didn't have the Home Alone thing. I didn't watch that growing up a lot. I think I've seen it maybe once. I watched... We watched Christmas Vacation, because that's what my dad liked, and I think we would watch it on Thanksgiving evening, and then at least once or twice leading up to Christmas, I mean, yeah,
1: it's it's a good movie. I mean, I you know there are definitely some you know modern holiday movies that are fun as well. Um, but yeah, Christmas Vacation is the one. Um, Home Alone would be a close second. And um, hot take, I know there's like this whole argument online whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And while there. <laughs> Is a Christmas theme. I mean, they're at a Christmas party, right? You like, guys at a holiday party in Die Hard. It doesn't give me like, it doesn't instill that like Christmas or holiday or celebratory spirit. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, maybe it's a Christmas movie because it's like set around Christmas time. But for me, it doesn't give me that like warm Christmas feeling the way like Christmas vacation or. Home Alone, or even something more modern like Elf, would would give me. So, um, yeah, I'm going to say gonna Die say, Hard is not a Christmas movie.
0: I'm about to say something that may get
1: oh, us to like lose Elf.
0: followers. I don't like Elf.
1: Yeah, I knew you're going to say that. Most a lot of people don't. That's not that's not uncommon. Elf Elf is is uh, divisive.
0: My second favorite holiday movie would be the Santa Claus, the mm-hmm. original with Tim Allen, not the second one. They're creepy. The, re- the further subsequent ones are really s- creepy. The original Santa Claus. And then I think Gremlins is a holiday movie.
1: <laughs> I could see that. I really like Jim Carrey's Grinch. Oh, uh, yep,
0: I like that one I too. Which I know
1: is, was, was not all that well received. Um, I like it. It's a little hard to watch. Like the character like the who the who characters are very odd. Um, but I love that movie. I think that Jim Carrey is a fantastic Grinch. Um mm-hmm. and I think my least favorite holiday movie is that weird like stop motion or claymation of Rudolph <gasps> the Red Nosed Reindeer. Oh I
0: love that with the I abominable snowman
1: movie. i hate that and
0: movie. the land of misfit Freaks toys
1: me out
0: i love that one Freaks i forgot that and rudolph's girlfriend is clarice isn't it
1: what no isn't
0: his girl the girl reindeer Didn't it? I, oh my god somebody tell me if i'm crazy what is the name of that
1: what's that is Under- it just but, but rudolph talks like this he's got like a yes. stuffy nose all the time he's so
0: cute i love that movie my mother's favorite is um what is it that black and white one where he wishes he was dead and then sees what his life would be like if he was dead every time a bell rings the yeah that one my mom loves that angel
1: gets its wings or whatever i
0: do not like that movie and would be fine was that that jimmy stewart probably i don't know probably um
1: happy new year kid
0: I also think of *The Nightmare Before Christmas* as being both a Christmas and a Halloween movie. I like, so
1: I like *Nightmare Before Christmas*. It's a good one.
0: It It's one of my tops. So I Fun. I like that. I'm sad you don't like that little claymation guy.
1: That movie's Aww. creepy. It's super I will creepy.
0: not force you to ever watch that with me. Then, duly noted.
1: <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Rudolph with the stuffy nose.
0: <laughs> Stupid well, anyway, thanks for one, hanging out with want to us. be a
1: dentist. Anyway, all right. Yeah, yes, that was fun. He
0: was a dentist, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> this was fun. Happy, happy, whatever you celebrate—Christmas, Hanukkah, etc. Festivus,
0: Yule, Kwanzaa.
1: Yule. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for
0: hanging out with us this week, and honestly, this year, you've kept us sane through 2020 somehow.
1: Yeah, thanks, pen friends. We love you.
0: We love you. You can follow us online at benttimes.com and you can follow me at inkycatwrites.com and online at inkycatwrites on Instagram.
1: And I'm on Instagram at heymatthew, and you can find my website, um, heymatthew.com.
0: Have a good week. Bye, guys.
1: Bye. Bye.